Steve, should I tell the story? Oh, I love stories. Should yeah, let's hear the story. So last night was the Steelers game, and chewing on my fingernail, and might have might have cracked my tooth, and now I look like I play <laughs> center for the Boston Bruins in 1943. You so, look like a little kid waiting for his front tooth. For oh Christmas. yeah, this is great. Now all I want for Christmas is my one front tooth. <laughs> <sighs> Never a dull moment. 2020, in, baby. Yeah, 2020, baby. Uh, welcome into the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. Steve. Steve, we've got a good show. You came up with the rundown for this week, so this show is in your hands. If it tanks, it tanks. Yeah, I'm sure we'll um, go, if, if it, that's the one that prompts email, we'll know what, we'll yeah, know what to change. Yeah, 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 we know. We'll know. Um, we're going to recap Penn State's uh, final win of the season over Illinois and the lack of bull, which I think is a good conversation to have. Um, then we are going to – I know we t- typically don't talk about this, but I do think we need to talk about this because I think uh, we, we, are in mi- we are in the midst of a crisis in, in terms of the Steelers. Um, and you actually have some very good, interesting points to bring up um, here as I look. Then, as promised, we are going to ch- chat about ESPN Plus um, and kind of what's next for that. And then we have a very good old guy, young guy. Um, something that I'm quite passionate about that is a little bit of an argument in my household. So Can't wait. This is going to be good. Yeah. All right. So, Penn State played one of the weirdest Penn State football games, or at least quarters. I've got five minutes I've ever seen Penn State play. In however many years of my life, like it was, a, that was a weird game. Like it was, that was a nuts game. Yeah, I, I don't think you were alone in terms of it being weird. I mean, that was a, an interesting quarter with lots of points and not much defense and lots of opportunity for people to shake their head and say, "Oh God," and and, or, and nod their head and say, "See, I told you." It was something to behold. <laughs> I I don't know. It was it was kind of fun. It felt like what I imagined being a Big Twelve fan or a. Uh, like a Pac-12 fan yep, is like points. it was. It was wild. That was a good, you know. That was a fun, interesting game to watch. Um, it was nice to also beat the crap out of another team and not really have to stress too much after the first quarter in terms of the outcome. I think Penn State definitely was the better team. You could tell that they were also playing a team that doesn't doesn't does have a coach now, but didn't have their primary coach as their coach. Um, you know, I think. I think it was I think it was a good game and I think it was a good note to end the season on especially you know with the fact that they're not going to go to a bowl game. Yeah, it felt like and maybe it's easy after the fact to say that but it felt like they knew going in that this was going to be it, right? Like they were they, yeah. they were having some fun there were the sideline hijinks the dance and not that those kids can't do that and wouldn't do that normally in some ways, but it just felt like this was the end. They were leaving it out there. They were they were there, the emotions were going to be there. They were going to have some fun and it felt like they knew what the decision was going to be before it became public. Um, and I'm glad for them. I'm, I'm glad they had a good time with it. I'm glad they won. And I'm glad they're not playing again because they've done enough. I've got my TV shows out of them. Um, and that's what this fall was. It was one big TV show to, to, to make rights packages kind of make sense to get nine games in for teams that could. Um, very impressed by Penn State, right? No positive tests costing them games, as we talked about early in the season, which played out, I think, the way we thought it would. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad they're done. Um, and as Illinois' coach, Got as much airtime. Illinois' new coach got as much airtime as just about anybody yeah, else during that, that was, game. So you know, hey, there's that too. That, why not save that for halftime? Like, or or even not even halftime. Like, that was way too long of an interview. It was like 
it was like 10 minutes long in real time and it did not need to be that in depth of an interview like i guess illinois fans care that much but again like it was taking away from the game broadcast that you yeah, know, I think it's the Big Ten Network, and you got to serve both fan groups. But I don't think an Indian, Illinois fans care that much about the guy at this point. Like they'll find out, and they, they were they happy. They know who and, he is too. Right. It's not like we don't like. It's it would be different if it was Auburn's coach who they just hired tonight with their from Boise State, and not really know. But we know who Brett Bielman is. Like we know he was at Wisconsin. We know what he did there. We know what he did at Arkansas, or should I say, didn't do at Arkansas. And he's very um, good, but he wasn't the second coming. Like I mean, I, yeah. I don't. I mean, I think he's a good hire for them, and I think that's great. But it's not like you need to give that much time to that guy because he's going to be the second coming. They should be better. They should be good under him. But it just felt like a lot at the wrong time of a game when teams are playing games, and this is the you very rarely get games. Give us the game. We can hear yeah. from him later. Yeah. Um, all right. So you you ask your kind of just in general team's performance on the season. This was a weird season. Like it really was a weird season. Um, I can't think of a whiplash effect in terms of a Penn State team that quite like this one. Like, normally, like, they'll have a cut. Like, in the years that they'll struggle, you know, which has been very few and far between, especially recently, it's they'll have a couple good games, and then they'll have a couple bad games, and then they'll have, like, one or two. It was all bad games, and then it was good games. <laughs> it's true. And I thought, I, I don't know if you read Corey Geiger's comment today, but Corey Geiger's comment, or uh, column today, was pretty interesting on how he kind of thought and mapped out how the season would have been a seven and two season as opposed to a, a four and five season. Um, did you? I did not see that today. Okay. Do you do you think that was his kind of his take on it? Do you do you think that? I think the Indiana game does it all, yeah. right? Like, I mean, I think yeah. that's that's the, the big piece of math, and if you get that one, and I'm still not, you know, I'm sure there's people who are adamant that he didn't score. I want to be adamant, but I'm, you know, what they argue, what I still, you know, we've talked before, it's not about where the stinking pylon was. It was the ball and the play and the goal. Um, right. Yeah, could they have been 7-2? Yeah, like they're talented enough. But for whatever reason, they just didn't have their stuff together. And those first two really hurt. And then the turnovers really hurt. Um, I think it's impressive they they went win the season the way they did. I think that, that whiplash effect to, to win the four straight at the end is good. And, and it speaks to, to them in, in a lot of positive ways. And... I am going to say this, and the more I thought about it, the more I, I think this is one of the big reasons why. I think, like you said earlier, they knew they were going to win on Saturday, and that's why they didn't want another bowl game. Like They did not want – like they didn't want to ruin the, the momentum that they had going. And, and, and I know that that is – now the next season is now nine months away, but I, that is definitely a thing, and that's a, a good, strong point to leave the season off on. And they did – the, I think they did the right thing from that sense of not taking a bowl. Um, yeah, I, I think they've it. expended a, a lot of energy to get to this point, done a lot of things they wouldn't normally do. Sure, maybe handled some things not as well as some other teams, right, that cost them games and whatever else. But, yeah, I, I don't. there's nothing else they need to prove. Okay, so they can get on a plane and go to some other town and play one more game against some other team. So what? Yeah. Um. You brought this up, and I think this is a very interesting point. I don't want to say a lot of Penn State fans, because I actually went through and read a lot of comment sections on, on various outlets posts, and most people were supportive of them and understanding of Penn State not taking a bull. But I, I hadn't thought about this until you, you kind of mentioned this earlier when we were chatting about the show. The media did do a good job in kind of quelling the storm and, and kind of calming people down of, 
hey, they're doing the right thing by not taking this bowl game. Um, you know, and I think normally, like, the media, the media at Penn State kind of gets harped on and, and, and for no real reason. I think that's just every fan, sports fan's <laughs> face. Um, but, I, like, that was an excellent job, and it's not like they were sitting around, like, saying, okay, we're all going to do this because you and I both worked in media. We know that people aren't that organized within their own operations. Well, especially this year, they're not in the same place, you know, in, yeah. in the press box, right? You could yeah. say there's some group things. There's no group things this year. They're in different no. places. So I, I think that's a good point that you brought up. Like, I think that they really did a very good job of providing perspective um, and, and reminding people that, I, I, I want to say, a very vocal minority. Um, I think that's a fair assessment. That was like, they need to take a bowl game. Again, also, like, if they would have went to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, like, what, like, why do you want to win the Duke's Mayo Bowl? What does that, like, what does that do for recruiting? What does that do for anything? Like, they're not going to put a banner up on the stadium that says Duke's Mayo Bowl champion. Like, no one's going to do that. That's, no, and you could make awful. the argument it's, it's hurting recruiting, like, by being out there and not being on the road or not being, and again, this is in no way a, a typical bowl season. Even the teams in the, in the, in the college football playoff aren't going to go to a site and spend a week and do whatever, or maybe they are, but that's crazy. So this is just another road game somewhere, a neutral site game that, that had no upside. And I think the media, because they dealt with the players and the coaches on a regular basis, had a sense of what was going on, at least a, a somewhat better sense on the energy level they brought to their interactions and, and, and their how happy they were or tired they were or ready for this to be over. And they've proven all there is to prove. Don't get anybody else hurt. Turn around and get ready for hopefully what next year is something different and better. Yep. All right, something different is a team that's been losing lately. <laughs> oh, boy. And they've been losing real bad. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers have dropped their last three games. And you pose an interesting question here. And I, it's something that I didn't think about. And it, 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 but I, I agree. I think I, I see where you're going with it. You say, is there a lag for the national media to see what fans and the more local media is seeing, has been seeing all season long with the Pittsburgh Steelers? I hadn't thought about that. I don't know. I want to chalk everything that's happened in the last three weeks to the fact that the Steelers played three games in 12 days, and that's not a typical scenario for for an NFL team. Then again, like we had our whole analytics conversation. I've been looking at some of the numbers, and things have just kind of gone downhill as the whole season's gone on. Really, just even after the Titans game, just down, down, down. Do you want to you extrapolate on, on this, this point? Yeah, and, and maybe they're tired. You're down, down, down. Maybe they're tired for, for not having a bye anywhere along the line. And yes, the three games in 12 days, and, and I get that. Um, I just think, uh, you know, there were parts on me on Monday night when I would hear an offhand remark like, oh, it's hard to believe that this is what's going on. And I'm like, have you seen this team? Have you seen them not run the ball in the past? You know, and, and I think that's the thing. I think the national media gets set into a storyline of here's the t- team playing for a, conference, a division championship, you know, and they're 11 and two, and they've lost two in a row, and they're the Steelers, and, and their coach is the right guy to fix it. And I'm not saying that any of that's wrong, but I think if you watch, and I appreciate media members watch game film, so they watch it differently as a fan. So maybe I'm bringing emotions to it that they don't, and I'm sure I am. But when they say, I can't believe they're losing to Cincinnati, I'm like, do you know how many dog teams they've played close in the past decade? So this is not a surprise, and they're hurt, and they're not playing well. So I'm 
surprised but not shocked. Two things that I always think about with the Steelers, and I tweeted this, and normally Ben Roethlisberger has always had one of these games where he kind of has the road Ben game where he just, like, is terrible, and that was definitely that. The other thing is, and there's there there are some numbers to prove this, I don't I think Mike Tomlin, like, against the spread is, like, like terrible. Like, like worse than, like, like 25% or something like that. Like, it's, it's, it's really bad. Like, and that just goes to show how the Steelers play down, down to a lot of these teams. The, the, the um, worst things you want to see, as a Steelers fan, the worst thing I've wanted to see in the past five years is a bad team on the road on the schedule and Tomlin reaching for the red flag at any time to challenge a call. <laughs> right? Like, it's just, those aren't going to go well, right? So I guess that's it. I, I think the national media misses that sometimes and they get caught up and here's our stars. And, and look, Ben is... You know, they had the graphics on the screen about only the seventh quarterback to throw for 60,000 yards, and he's got the two Super Bowl. That's great stuff, but right now, offensive line is really bad. The linebackers are hurt and really bad. And Ben's struggling, and just all those things are adding up. Like, they could overcome a couple of those things, but when the linebackers started getting hurt, then you notice the offensive line. It just There's just a lot of holes in the dam right now. Ben looks like an athlete that is at his... Like, like it's getting to be time. Like yeah, because he can't, he can't throw the long ball, right? I mean, he just... It's like, not to be whatever, but might be time to take him to a farm upstate. You know? <laughs> like, it's... Uh, so, I, I think that's it. But I, I, I do agree. I think I think the Pittsburgh media is a little crazy um, sometimes. I think they're a little bit homerish sometimes. I think there are better people at it than, than certainly others. But they do do a good job of calling, you know, a spade a spade. And they, they really have kind of not predicted this, but narrated the guide of this is probably coming or this was coming. And I've been listening to more sports talk radio from Pittsburgh in the past couple of weeks just because of that, just to hear what the chatter is there along with my athletic stuff and whatever else. And that's been instructive and interesting, you know. And, and the other thing I think is, They've won eleven games, right? So they're they're gonna they're gonna make the playoffs because they, that's guaranteed, which means they get a tougher schedule next season, in some ways. So they got a tougher schedule next season with a line that's a year older that hasn't been playing well, with Ben a year older who hasn't been playing well. Linebacker should be fixed by next year because people should be healthy. But I'm scared about next season already. Like, I, like I haven't thought about. Well, I haven't thought you know, Maybe I'm maybe I'm borrowing too much from James Franklin and only worrying about the present or something. But I I haven't thought that far. But now I'm starting to think that far, and now you're scaring me. Because I was worried after the Washington game. I think it was you and one of my other friends. I texted. I'm like, there's no playoff team they can beat at this point. Yeah, I and at this point, I don't know that they have a game to win left. You know, and that's the scary part. Uh, who was it? I think it was either Chris Adamski or Chris Mack, um, one of the Pittsburgh area guys tweeted had a very good thread of like this how many times this has happened in pittsburgh sports where the wheels just completely fall off the wagon and they were talking about when jerry meals said it was safe um and and that that happened and then the pirates went from first in the division to like missing the playoffs and then the same thing like basically happened the next season where they were like in a prime spot late to make a wild card run and they went like they won like sixteen games out of their remaining like eighty or something like that. It was yep. it was terrible. This does feel like that, like the, everything that happened with the Ravens game was kind of the tipping point for a saga like that. So, I don't know. I 
am more optimistic about the Steelers than even though I my tweets are very negative about them usually. So I, I think they have one win left in them. Or, or, and hopefully I'm right, the Browns are going to be the Browns and, and, and mess things up. Because I know that they've got Baker and they've got a good team and a new coach and all of this. But at the end of the day, they are the Cleveland Browns. We can hope. We can hope. I am not the most optimistic person in our household, but that's why I love my wife. There's always the optimism about the Steelers, which I figure rubs off on me in some ways and gets me a break. Like, if you could be that optimistic about a football team <laughs> after all these years, i got to have some good things going too. But, yeah, it's, it's been tough to watch the past three weeks. So you ask a good question here. Your thoughts on the, uh, the Monday Night Football crew as the season winds down and Lewis Riddick might maybe <sighs> as a shame that would be if you every left. year. Is that sarcasm? No, no, I, I would miss him. Like, okay, I, all right, all right. I, I you know, sure. that would, okay. No, that would be Because I think he's very good. I, yeah. I love him. All right. And I liked Greasy better. Like, I started off thinking <sighs> Lewis was going to be with Saving Grace. Mm-hmm. But but now that like, yesterday's game, Monday's game, I thought Greasy wasn't good, and I thought Steve Levy was awful. Like, he made a couple of times they put graphics on, and he, did it, he referred to that wrong. It was a rushing stat about the Steelers' defense giving up fewer than 100 mm-hmm. yards. And it was that Cincinnati had like 134, and he said that's something they wanted to get fixed tonight. Their rushing game, and there you go. And I'm like, dude, they're on defense. Yeah, like, I thought that was I you know, know so, exactly what we were talking about. And I just think when you're the A-list guy, the head guy for for a broadcast like that, you gotta, you can't, you're getting paid to not do those. You're getting paid mm-hmm. to not make those mistakes. So yeah, Lewis Riddick is the best guy. I think the best part of the broadcast. And if he's gone to, to a GM job, which he keeps looking for, he's like James Franklin agent trying to find other places for him I, I don't know if his agent is the same as franklin's agent but they're always trying to find some place else for him to be i i just steve levy is still the sports center guy to me like right. that's and i think that's what i'm always going to see him as i do think he has brought a little bit of a because he's got a two-person or a three-person booth there i think he has done a nice job of kind of being like here's the play now let's like have like let's carry on a conversation yeah. about the game or about like kind of the broader aspect of like a, a certain play or you know a particular momentum swing but he was you're i agree he i know exactly what you're talking about with the graphic um he just was kind of meh i don't know it, 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 it there's he's not he like he's always excited but he's not super excited so when he gets excited it's not exciting right. and i know that is very confusing to say but like it's there's not like a big emotion swing there it, as much as we hate gus johnson gus johnson does sometimes over the top but like he will be like losing his mind out of nowhere right and and for the right reason and there's not like it's it's, it's i think it comes back like to being a sports center guy right it feels like yes, you're, reading, it, you're reading the prompter Right? It like feels it's like just, he's hosting a, a sports talk show and not doing play-by-play of a game. And I think you want to have a conversation with people, but I just, he's okay. Like, I, I think they're okay, which is what I thought they were in the season. Then I thought, listen to him, like, okay, they're going to be better than that. And now I'm still back to, you know, if you're giving them a grade and these guys are the A-list team for a major network, it's B minus C. They're average. They're okay. You know. I'm very interested to see what happens when this happens, because at this point it's pretty much a win, when ESPN gets back in the rotation for the Super Bowl. Right. I just have a tough time seeing those three guys calling a Super Bowl game. Like, I, like Jim Nance does a Super Bowl, Joe Buck does a Super Bowl, and, you know, Al Michaels and soon-to-be Mike Tirico do a Super Bowl. Those people, like, 
they are bread and butter stat and and some of that is the fact that you know these guys have only been at it for less than a whole full season but it, I just think that they're going to have to or want to or need to bring somebody else in oh, yeah, I think there'll be to, changes they get back in the rotation yeah. because they're just not like at at best greasy is like the third fox guy yeah I, I think they're okay like I just yeah, that's that's a good description. They're okay. <laughs> All right. Speaking of ESPN and ESPN changing, do you have ESPN Plus? I do not, but the, everything they do keeps making me need. I'm gonna have, make, making me feel like I have to get it because now my story's online. I get five paragraphs of the good story before I got to pay for the rest of it. Um, like over the top events, I don't know that I necessarily need it yet. But by next season, I bet you there's a maybe there won't be a Big Ten game there because it's the Big Ten. There'd probably be a basketball game there. I don't. I don't feel like I need it for for sports live content, but I do, I'm gonna probably maybe want it. And I, but I don't know if I'll pay for it um, for like columnists and things like that. Like it feels like some of their insider stuff. They're labeling more stuff online insider, which is part of the plus approach. So, I think. So on that note, let's let's talk about the the content shift of hiding it behind a paywall and basically kind of stealing the athletic model. I I don't love it, um, but when Adam Schefter breaks news, it usually is picked up by 17 other thousand, like 17 other thousand sources. And it's, so I'm still getting it. Right. Um, I'm still finding out about it. When, you know, most of like I don't really read I don't read ESPN like I don't like I'll read their long forms occasionally and I'll read but I do read their hockey stuff and I do worry about I know that the NHL is the top four sport technically but like soccer coverage like I actually think they're a pretty good soccer coverage like group and it's all getting like that's going to be harder to find and that's but I don't know if it's worth it like I don't like I'm going to pay for the athletic again because it's my Pittsburgh stuff it's my Penn State stuff I'm probably not going to find that somewhere else the people that are there this stuff is probably going to show up somewhere else and I can live without it for paying whatever bargain I can get on Disney Plus or bundle it with something else that's how we have it by the way so I don't know like I I know I understand what they're doing I, I understand I think they finally figured out the model but it's the long form stuff that I pay for, like the breaking stuff. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. You know, Heather Dinich's stuff today. You know that I'm like, oh, here's college football. What she had to say. Oh, it's only five paragraphs. Okay, I don't care enough for the six that'll show up somewhere else on TV mm-hmm. or whatever else. I'll be fine. That's true. That's an interesting point. That ESPN, because of the way they're set up, usually what they talk about on TV makes its way to print and vice versa. Um, so let's take now the kind of the second aspect to it aspect to it is the the digital like TV archive and library. I have already found that to actually be very nice and I enjoy that aspect of it. One I can watch 30 for 30s whenever I want to and I'm it's like 30 for 30s aren't really must see TV when they're on TV anymore. Um but now like this gives me a chance to like if I'm trying to kill some time in an afternoon watch maybe one or two here or there Um, the NHL during the playoffs let them come into the bubble and do the the, basically a 
24-7 that HBO used to do, but did a quest for the cup thing. That's mm-hmm. it was the same premise. It was fantastic. I loved it. I wish it like I wish it would have been double the amount of episodes. I do enjoy that content, and that to me, I think, is where the you're getting the most bang for your buck. Right, and I think if they can find those things, if they can find a series, well, Peyton Manning stuff is there, right? Like, like I think for a cohort of people, those have been good, good segments, and they were fun to watch. I didn't have it, but we saw them in the summer, right? Because ESPN needed content so badly, they ran them on regular ESPN and did his stuff. I think those kind of things that are unique and different in the long form are what are what's going to get people there, and maybe even people like me at some point. Although honestly, as I'm, I'm watching. You know, I see in the background here, my brother's here, we've got the Rothkin thing for the Penn State Wrestling and the Lion Wrestling Club. I'm probably more likely to pay that 10 bucks a month because there's nowhere else I'm going to get that before I pay for the ESPN. It's like any other subscription kind of thing. I mean, if you're a soccer fan, what's the place where you're going for that? And, and we've talked about the athletic. Um, at this point, I, I'm not at the tipping point for ESPN Plus, and I might not be super close, but if there are some long-form stuff, or if they would do the college football thing that – um, who did it? Fox a couple years ago when they followed a couple programs. They did Penn State for one of them. Was it Fox? I think that was HBO. I think that was a. It was HBO. Another twenty four seven thing. Yeah, I mean stuff like that might get me to do it, um, but we'll see. Like I, I you know, I mean, I, I did with the Netflix stuff. I love their Formula One stuff. Like that whole series they did from Formula One the past two summers, past two seasons before that has been great behind the scenes stuff. And I am not a Formula One fan, but they did good storytelling and good people. If you have good stories with good people, because good stories are about people, maybe I'll get there. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I've heard that's pretty good. Um, so let's talk about kind of then the third arm of it, which is the, uh, the TV kind of pseudo TV, like the, the the ESPN three, if you will, aspect of it. Even though it's, I don't know if it's technically called that anymore. Um, I do find it funny that you remember, like probably like two thousand two to five the dark years when like Penn State would you would only like only people in certain counties would get the, the games on ESPN plus yep. and now it's called ESPN plus and it's all these very regionalized games yep. I don't know if again I don't know if there's enough there in terms of of watching it to like make me really want to spend time watching games there like I'm still just gonna go watch a bowl game or watch a a football game or whatever game on on regular cable. Yeah, I think they're they're collecting content. They're, then they have it in their library. Like, and if, if you're a diehard Harvard fan, right, and Harvard football's there, and they happen to be on ESPN Plus, you're going to watch it. Nobody else is. But I've got the contract with the Big Ten. Whoever this crappy game is going to go there or whatever else, and they're going to spread it out. And then those people get to say, "Hey, I was on ESPN. Our stuff was on ESPN." You know. Right. Um, and if you get enough of that, those little hits give you enough people buying for that anybody else who just watched the main bowl game on, on the main ESPN isn't going to miss it. But then they have the content. They have the highlights. They have the relationships. They have the rights to the broadcasts. So there's all of that that comes with it. I will say you do find out uh, or, or see a lot more of that content showing up on social media. Like you're never going to get those those weird clips from a, you know, Southern Illinois game. Right. But you, and now you do, and it's, it's kind of nice. Um, but, yeah, unless Penn State – Football, I don't even know basketball. Hockey would get me to pull the tr- trigger in terms of watching something on there. Yep. Like, but that's it. Like, I'm not gonna actually. Sorry, there's one more thing. Wofford basketball, which I've already watched on there. Which we can, we'll save that story for March. Um, but other than that, I they're, they're, like I'm not gonna go on there to just watch. Well, do you do BTN Plus then and find hockey there? No, I don't because I don't feel like paying for BTN Plus. Right. It's 
another thing that I have to. to yep, and I'm not there more. either yet. And it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um. So. Anything else you want to add about ESPN Plus? Do you think it's the way of the future? Unfortunately, Article. yeah. Like there's going to be there's going to be less and less that's for free, right? And and then so much of that has ebbed and flowed. It was. What ten years ago, ESPN was gobbling up rights, and it was there, and then the, and people had to pay their cable bill, and they got the advertising, and it worked. And then people started cutting the cord, and games started coming back. I mean, ESPN has, I think, signed the deal for the college football playoff initially, and the games were going to be there only, I think. And as things have changed, they said, "Oh no, no, we're going to put them on ABC, right? Because that's where people are watching, right?" So it, it's it's come that way to more public, and I think there's going to be people. There's always going to be a market for us to say, hey, we're on ESPN+. Plus." I think the UFC stuff that we're, we're not even talking about that people consume there, all those things make it worthwhile for, for a decent audience. Yeah, the UFC thing I feel like is where I get, I don't watch it, I don't, I never got into it, um, but I feel like anytime I'm watching like anything anywhere on any ESPN platform, I'm always getting hit yep. with an ad about yep. the next upcoming fight. We should, we should, that's, that should be a good conversation. We should save that conversation, like pay-per-view fights. I've never paid for that. We should, we should have a conversation about that because I feel like that is an interesting thing. All right. Anything else you want to add on ESPN Plus? No, that's good. All right, cool. So, what's your question for me this week on Old Guy, Young Guy? Because I, I've got an answer. Oh, we're going with the one that was on the rundown? The one that is on the rundown that I see right here. It says, do you have a rocking chair in your house? Who does? Okay. Can you define rocking chair? Jesus, if we have to worry about that, I'm kind of worried. It's what. It's well, a, it's okay, a, it's a, well, so it's like, a, would you consider a a lazy boy that rocks to be a rocking chair? It makes the cut, I guess, sorta. I was thinking more old school wooden, but yes, it still makes the cut. So we are we currently do not have a chair that moves back and forth, other than my my <laughs> swivel chair, which kind of as I sit here and do that. And your voice moves back and forth. It's like a science class when you do that. However, in college, I pulled the ultimate college thing. And there was a lazy boy that was sitting outside of by the dumpster. It looked in good shape, smelled in good shape, didn't look gross. So what did I do? I pulled it into my dorm or my apartment. Did you walk around all four sides and smell it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I like, okay. and I hit it with the Febreze. Hit it with the Lysol. I'm still standing. You know, I I like I we are we are we are team big couch. Like we have two big couches. Yep. But I there is something quite comfortable about sitting in a in a lazy boy. Anyways, back to your rocking chair question. No, uh, I I do not have a wooden rocking chair in this house. Do you? We have two actually in separate places. Um, but our kids are like, why do we have a rocking chair? Like, they're really it? uncomfortable. The one upstairs isn't too bad. Um, uh, yeah, like, it, but it's funny because that's why I was asking. Like, our kids are like, yeah, nobody has a rocking chair. Um, although the two couches thing, I respect that. When we first got married, you would go to we would go to the furniture store, and we would the first two sets of furniture we bought. There was you, they always want to say the couch and the love seat is part of a of a set, right? And the couch was like ten dollars more than the love seat. I'm like, wait a second. So I can buy two couches, which each have three seats. And it's going to cost me $10 more to do that as opposed to these other two pieces of furniture and one of them has one less seat. Why would I do that? And people will be like, you want two couches? I'm like, damn straight, we do two couches. And the first two times we bought furniture over 15 years, we bought two couches both times. And people were like, why do you have two couches? Even people who visited. I'm like, so you have a place to sit. What do you mean? 
So, um, but the rocking chair gets limited use. It gets more use at this time because it's in a corner where the Christmas tree goes. So we got to pull it out to put the Christmas oh, so tree in the like corner. A, yeah. So by necessity. Right. So it becomes more prominent at this time of year. So that's, I guess, why it was on my mind. So my mom has one rocking chair, and Anna's parents have two of them. Now, Anna's dad went to college in the South, and apparently that's like more of a thing down there. Like you get, like he went to UVA, and he has a UVA one. Okay. And he, he went to what is now VCU for med school, and he has like a, I believe it's a, basically a VCU one. Right. But I just like, every time I sit in one, and I don't know if it's because I got a bony spine or what, I am like, all right, this is, I'm done with this for five minutes. No, if it's like, not right, it's not, it's, it's not the right thing. Ours upstairs is pretty good. The one down here was from a porch. It looks like one of those ones from the Cracker Barrel. Mm-hmm. It gets a little bit big and whatever else. It's more just a kind of a few minutes. They're not super comfortable. Yeah, but it, it struck me as maybe it was an age breakdown thing, right? Like older people have them, younger people may not. But I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Like we don't have we don't have porch for, we don't have porch so we don't have porch porch furniture. Um, so I feel like if we did have a porch, I feel like sentimentally or aesthetically, we'd have, have something a rocking there, chair. Right? Like yeah, I think that would be what we had. Um, so yeah, oh, that's a good that's a good question. That was a good one. Um, but yeah, no, I I love lazy boys. Like I I have tried to fight that battle and it does not work well for me but i i think they're the most <laughs> most incredibly comfortable thing i agree cool all right well this was our christmas spectacular even though there wasn't much christmas steve we they just can't see the hats yes uh-huh yes yes and our elf backgrounds that we have here exactly. uh, were, were you you good? Are you done? It's December 22nd, almost 23rd. You're done with shopping or no? I am done with shopping. I found out tonight that I am going to go back to see my parents because they are 70-some years old, 77 each, and they want to play with removing ice in their in their um, gutters tomorrow. So I think I'm going to make a trip up there and say, hey, let me uh, get on the ladder or whatever it is yeah, you're going to try to do. Yeah, um, so that's no, a good idea. So no, we're set otherwise, so we're in good shape. And um, you're, you're ready to go? Yeah, I'm good. I bought, bought my last thing. It was, oh, no, nope. Got to buy one more thing for my mom. Not, but that, that'll go. be taken care of. Don't tell her. No, I won't tell her. Since she listens to this, probably. All right. Well, this was a good show. Thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas, Steve. Merry Christmas. Um, if you're feeling generous, subscribe and like to us on <laughs> Facebook. Uh, email the show at stuffsummarysayspodcast at gmail.com. Still thinking maybe I should just create a shorter email. Um, and email us with some feedback and then my Twitter handle oh did I say uh, rate us five stars do that too I gotta add that to our rundown rate us five stars um, even if you don't think that we're a five star podcast we're a five star podcast and um, my Twitter handle is at Stuff Summer Says your Twitter handle is at Steve Samsel that's it that's the show Merry Christmas ho 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 <laughs> <laughs>